0: Thanks for joining the Life Better podcast, a podcast dedicated to this reality that life is so much better with God, community, and purpose. My name is Jonathan Gleason. As always, Josh is hanging out with us. And today I want to introduce uh, the topic actually by telling a little story. This is something that happened to my wife about a week and a half ago. Okay. Uh, Josh, you know... Dana works for a nonprofit called America Kids Belong, Yeah, and their whole focus is to work with government as well as faith-based organizations, creatives, as well as local businesses yeah. to help kids in the foster care system find homes, be adopted. And so um, about a week and a half ago, she posted a picture um, to a couple social media sites and uh, the picture was of this girl who's looking for a home and uh, she's been in the foster care system for many, many years. Mm. And a quote came with it. This was a quote from the girl herself talking about how she wants to be a part of a loving family, uh, a family that would actually bring her to church. Now, seems innocent enough, but uh, Dana received no fewer than like five uh, responses, all very angry and anti-church and Mm. uh, Christianity. And of course... My wife wasn't expecting that, and maybe she should. We know that you know issues of faith and Christianity, a lot of people feel strongly on either end, mm-hmm. um, but a little disappointing, uh, mm-hmm. to say the least. And so the question that we're going to be trying to tackle today is, how do we respond? How do we respond when our thoughts, our beliefs are either attacked or Christianity is marginalized in some way? What is a good, healthy response for us to have? Now, before we get into answering that question, uh, we're going to do our little little game. This is yeah. a little different. Maybe, yeah. maybe not as fun as yeah. some of the ones <laughs> we've done in the past. But uh, the story that I shared with my wife, uh, that's not an altogether uncommon thing. And so mm-hmm. I asked you to come up with some stories that you've either read or heard about uh, where these things have happened to other Christians yeah. um, in the United States over the, the years. And we're going to go head-to-head who found the better stories, okay? <laughs> now, I, we're going to do three different categories. Funny story, mm. interesting story, you know, kind of like a, huh. Uh, and then maybe downright disturbing, okay? Yeah. So you've got your funny, interesting, and disturbing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I do I do
1: wanted to say, like, we, we've specifically stuck with the United States. Yeah. If you're a person who isn't in the United States, uh, if you're in a country, like, th- there's wildly different responses to how this happens in every single country. So yeah. if you're not from here, we're sticking with our country specifically. Yeah. We have very unique Uh, experience i think with how religious freedom interacts with also our freedom to say whatever we want yeah (laughs) so like like those two can kind of create and cultivate these types of issues and we are
0: growing our international (laughs) podcast community (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so the 162 (laughs) countries that are represented right now um we're we're talking to you guys yeah
1: yeah i i cover (laughs) our (laughs) bases just in case you're listening you're like i don't understand (laughs) this at all
0: (laughs) yeah yeah uh, you want me to share first? Sure, yeah, yeah you can go ahead. Okay. Which, which one is it? This? this is a silly one. A silly this one, is, this okay. is one that I'm gave sorry, me silly. a bit of a chuckle. So, a couple years ago, a school district um, decided that they needed to remove all religious references. To the song "Silent Night" for Christmas, so just imagine kids getting up on stage. Yeah, Silent Night. Wait, a whole, uh, wait, we can't say that one. Really quiet night. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's gonna be hard to sing that song mm-hmm. without the religious, you know, undertone. <laughs> so I, I couldn't, I couldn't help but laugh when I when
1: I heard that, that is, one. That's funny. I, I, I don't know. I'd love to hear their rendition. <laughs> I, I I'd look for it. I could not find it. Yeah, uh, well um mine is uh it it's something that i heard and that i did a little more research on because the first time i heard it, i was like really like that just sounds ridiculous but uh our church has been involved with a group called kids beach club for a while uh and this is just an after-school program we don't go during the day because you know that actually isn't allowed uh but we show up at the school as soon as school ends and we give the kids an opportunity to come and hear a Bible story. Uh, get a little bit of small group time, get a snack, be loved on by adults and stuff that who love Jesus. Uh, And it's a really great program. But in response to not only Kids Beach Club, but a couple of other after-school programs, there are a couple of states who uh, there's been individuals in either atheist groups or specifically satanic groups uh, that have called their after-school program, in response to ours, After School Satan Club. Uh, And this is all really satirical i don't know if they're actually doing much but they're doing so with the purpose of bringing an end to religious after-school programs so if
0: the administration said no to after-school satan programs, yes they would have to say no to after-school yes. Christian yes and Definitely. so that that's
1: that's my silly one i brought because it does sound silly it is a little like yeah. scary to think about kids like dancing <laughs> around and yeah no but I, I don't know if that's actually happening. It's all kind of political sure, in, sure. in nature.
0: Okay, um, so who has the funnier one? What, do you,
1: what I think yours is funnier. Just the idea of kids trying to sing <laughs> Silent Night without, without... Or, like, I'm just imagining this really upset music teacher... <laughs> who's getting brought that like idea like okay so we want to sing silent night but we want you to come up with a rendition
0: that doesn't talk about god at all new lyrics yeah okay (laughs) i i agree i think that one's funnier and i think it's only funnier because after school satan's program just sounds really dark yeah and it just maybe i should have put that in (laughs) disturbing but i don't know no i i I like it i'm gonna go ahead and take the point on that one though yeah okay so this is the interesting category In Kansas, there was a story in which a middle school student was trying to promote a prayer event at her school. She was not allowed to put up the flyers because it had a Bible verse talking about God loving the world. You might know what that Bible verse is. (laughs) Um, And so she was turned down, at least when it came to the flyer. What makes this story interesting, though, is that there were other flyers that were approved. Uh, One of the flyers that was approved was for another event. Uh, Little Wang was quoted talking about good weed and alcohol. So Little Wang, okay. Jesus, not so much. Kind of interesting, right?
1: Yeah. Anyway, that's the story. What's your interest? Uh, Mine, I found interesting because it's just an idea of this is something that's been around for a really long time, even since the inception of our country, Uh, but in 1777, which if you know your history, when did the United States become... 76. Yes. So one year afterward, uh, now granted, we had a lot of issues that we've worked through beyond just this, but uh, there was a law that actually kept Catholics from holding public office in the state of New York. They were not allowed to, and I did a little more reading on this. It had more to do with uh, there was just an influx of Spanish and French uh, Catholics that had come over, mm-hmm. and they wanted to hold. Their, it, there was probably some, like, you know, back then you had, like, even – like, bosses, like, of your specific, like, uh, race that can come over trying to, like, uh, be lobbyists and and keep, keep people out of office. But in general, if you were a Catholic... You believed in the Catholic faith. You were not allowed to hold public office in the United States in seventeen seventy seven, which is or in New York specifically. Yeah. Which is
0: interesting. To that is very know. interesting.
1: I'd never heard that or read that before, but
0: another I do you may already know this, but JFK was the first Catholic president actually okay, in yeah, the yeah, United yeah. States. So you think of all the presidents that came before him. Yeah, that was yeah. a long list of presidents who's mm-hmm. the first Catholic and yeah. I, at this point I think might be the only Catholic president we've ever had. There might be of uh, another one. I, I mean say what you want but biden has claimed that he's a catholic he
1: you i have not heard that yeah. okay and so he said that he's the second one is that why yeah, you yeah, yeah, said yeah.
0: that man yeah. i gotta stay a little more <laughs> savvy. okay yeah. um what you, who, who gets the point on this one i you know what was yours again <laughs> little wayne <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's little wayne by the way <laughs> Just so you know. (laughs) Maybe we can edit that out. (laughs) It's probably too late. I've always said that. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. Who's going to get the vote?
1: Uh, I don't care. You can have it if you want to. Mine's more historical. Okay. Yours is more,
0: like... I don't know, you have the cultural reference. That's true, even though I mispronounced it. <laughs> okay, I got two points. Uh, we only have three categories here. Yeah, so I think I probably or Are you going to sweep me? We'll Just a question. We'll probably not. Okay, this is the disturbing category. There was a case filed against um, Augustus University of Georgia. This was uh, filed by Jennifer uh, Keaton. And she was filing this because she was told that she would not be allowed to graduate unless she stopped sharing her Christian beliefs with other students. Mm. It's like, wow, that's kind of disturbing that you would not be able to graduate just because you're sharing your thoughts and ideas. I think that breaks some, you know, key amendment rights. Yeah, I'd love to know what led to
1: that, you know? What, What was she doing that, like brought so much... Like, there's no way that she was the only person on campus that was doing any type of campus ministry. I know. Like, why her
0: specifically? And I, that, that's
1: interesting. I tried
0: to look a little deeper into yeah. it because that was my first thought, too. Was she just so inflammatory that, you know, they... Like, I couldn't find it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, and then mine uh, touches on some pretty dark stuff. Um, but in 2015, this was just the one that, like, came to my mind immediately, and I looked it up, and on top of that, just found way too much like information on this, and it just disturbed me to no end. But uh, if if you've been keeping up with uh, uh, attacks on even just churches in general, you'll know that a lot of churches that get attacked are unfortunately black churches too. Yeah. Uh, and in 2015, Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, long, long name, mm-hmm. in Charleston, South Carolina, was attacked. Um, nine individuals were murdered by a neo-nazi guy who came in there and just Mm -hmm. had a problem with not only them but also them serving who he claimed to also serve um which bothers me to no end because you know that's not only christians being put to death because they are the color of their skin and they believe in god but also this guy is doing it because he thinks he's doing it for god um which is just another big issue so very
0: disturbing you get the point on that one for
1: sure i don't that's not a point i want to win (laughs) No, no it's true um
0: Well, I still won the game. Uh, Definitely a little different game than normal. Congratulations, Jonathan, (laughs) on
1: winning the marginalized Christianity
0: (laughs) game. Good for me. (laughs) So one of the things that oftentimes gets brought up, or at least a phrase a word that gets brought up when you have these types of conversation is the word persecution. It's the word persecution. And so I thought before we really start answering that question, hey, what should our response be? I think it's probably a good idea to understand, okay, what are these levels of persecution? (laughs) Because like you had mentioned, at the beginning, what someone is experiencing in another country may be far different than what we're experiencing, and response needs to be varied. And so, let's first kind of just talk about persecution. Uh, There's an individual by the name, actually a researcher by the name of Charles uh, Pop, who did. Uh, Extensive research all the way da- dating all the way back from the first century to the present um, and just charted really five stages of persecution. And so we're just going to share these really quickly. Uh, the first stage is stereotyping. Stereotyping uh, this is the idea that the description of uh, a few or the actions of a few kind of get lumped in with the majority. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, someone might start saying, Well, all Christians are hypocrites. Mm-hmm. Certainly there are. Christians who are hypocrites. Does that mean all Christians are hypocrites? Probably not. Well, all Christians are angry. All Christians are really boring people. Uh, Again, that's just stereotyping. There are certainly boring Christians. There are certainly (laughs) angry Christians. But, you know, if you say it enough and you say Mm. it uh, repeatedly, all of a sudden that becomes the new identity of that group of people. So, stage one, stereotyping. Yeah. Number two is uh, vilifying, which
1: is just a level up of the stereotyping. Stereotyping is typically... I don't want to say it's unhurtful; it's absolutely hurtful. But like, mm. these are things where you're making them out to be almost unhuman. Mm-hmm. So uh, use of abusive or slanderous words to describe uh, a, a person like, or a, the specifically group. Uh, if we're talking about Christians, it's it's things like all Christians are bigoted or mm-hmm. all Christians are hateful and like they 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 despise you. You know, mm-hmm. like like the, the and that that's the type of. Um, Unfortunately, uh, both it, what we were just talking about with my last one, there are people who kind of bring that to us. and you know like that, that idea of uh, all Christians are hateful because they are claiming to serve God and yeah. that one person will, right. will see that person doing that and be like, "See, yeah. look at this, all Christians are this way." and then you have uh, specifically in youth cultures, we know this, like if our students are hearing that, yeah. that's something that we have to combat you know mm-hmm. like that's something that we're have to actively try to break that mindset on right. because if they're hearing that from people then we have it's our job to to break that and not to say that adults can't be easily swayed but i feel like students are sure. more so for sure but yeah
0: Number three is marginalizing, marginalizing. So once you've vilified, once you've gotten those stereotypes, uh, that's when now people start pushing Christians to the margins of society. You might even hear phrases like, hey, that's okay for you to practice in your church, at your home, but do not bring that into the public arena. In fact, you might even see Christians not receiving positions of power, influence, Uh, media spots or even, you know, uh, professors and universities being denied tenure because of their Christian beliefs. And so, again, that's that marginalizing, pushing Mm -hmm. people to the edges. Uh, And then number four is criminalizing. Uh, This is,
1: I I think, especially true of other churches uh, around the world that we Mm -hmm. hear about, but like this is starting to get to the level that uh, we see less of in America, at least I believe so. Uh, but this is when lawsuits and legislation is com- is specifically directed at the church or individuals who are practicing the faith, and so eventually following Jesus is equated with law breaking. You know, uh, doing something that is known as uh,
0: Christian is also considered to be worthy of fines or jail time. Yeah, and once you get to that level, that criminalizing level, that is just setting the stage for full-blown persecution, which is stage five, where you've got people being arrested, you have property being seized, you've got beatings, and in some cases, you even have people being put to death. So these are the five stages, and I would say probably in the United States, we've certainly seen one, two, and three mm-hmm. played out. Uh, there's definitely instances, you even brought up one, where there's uh, maybe four and five. Um, but for the most part, those are, those are things that are probably happening more widespread in other parts of the world. And so a lot of what we're going to be sharing has to do with that level one, two, and three response. Um, and so know that every situation is nuanced. Uh, the list that we have of how, how are we going to respond to mm-hmm. uh, persecution, this is not a an exhausted list. This is just some ideas, uh, particularly for those who might find yourself in one, two, and yeah. three. So the question again, the question: How should we respond? So um, I think the first response is to see you know the opportunities behind problems. So mm-hmm. instead of just focusing on the problem really evaluate and say, hey, are there actually opportunities, opportunities to advance the gospel? Yeah. And this is not just, honestly, this is not just a good life uh, choice when it comes to Christian persecution. I think this is just good life skill in general. Um, So for example, there are lots of problems in our world, um, but people are making some serious money from solving these problems. (laughs) Uh, Let's go back to last year, COVID hits, and no one can meet in their offices. And so Zoom comes in and says, hey. Oh my gosh. Here's an opportunity for us to make a lot of money and an opportunity for you guys to meet. Uh, right now, lumber is like sky high, right? Oh, yeah. So you know, you know there are companies who are saying, hey, we've got this uh, composite material. You can build your house with this instead. And it's like an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So the question for us as followers of Christ is, okay, what kind of opportunity might persecution actually bring us? Mm-hmm. And historically, Josh, what what typically happens historically when the church is persecuted it when when they're pushed the the gospel just gets
1: furthered yeah one of the examples that I, I was thinking of when i was trying to come up with stuff for for this is i mean what caused the church to explode in the first place was uh uh what is his name uh wow how did i forget this the the very first uh martyr um so it was Stephen. Stephen, I kept saying Simon in my head. <laughs> Stephen. Right after that, all of them left because mm-hmm. they were. I mean, there was probably some fear there, yeah. but literally every Christian gets pushed out. The disciples split mm-hmm. all of the all of the people that they had been making a church there, like in Acts two, where it said they multiplied at daily. Mm-hmm. All went out, and yeah. like then the church exploded even more. And it's just it's interesting how like, and I wonder if Satan like sees that, and he's like. How I changed my right, tactics
0: because right. it, yeah darn um, that didn't work yeah okay. <laughs> yeah absolutely so whether it's the first century and mm-hmm. the you know exponential growth that the church experienced under persecution or even modern day examples yeah. we've got like communist Russia communist China you know they're cracking down making laws that restrict Christianity and then it and then booms so and people's interest uh, is increased uh, so we see that we see that throughout history and on the flip side of that When Christianity has actually held the mantle of power, it usually is not so good for Mm. the church. Mm. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but one of the reasons, I think, is because it's really hard for us to demonstrate some of the key characteristics of Jesus when we are holding the mantle of power. Mm. You know, what does forgiveness look like when you're the one in power? What does, what you know, generosity and mercy and grace look like? It's harder for that to actually shine. It kind of goes back to that whole idea that Christ's light shines the brightest when it is the darkest.
1: Yeah. I I, I was even thinking, um, I, I've heard uh, specifically Platt say this, uh, like recently I've been reading one of his books, uh, but he talked about how, like, that just goes back to the fact that when we have that we need to be giving it up Mm. you know like that's why he told the rich young ruler give everything you have Mm. because we're not meant to have all of everything you know we're actually meant to be Less than you know, uh, so that you makes use sense. that
0: position of power to actually elevate yes, others exactly rather than just to hold on, these are my rights, this is who what God mm. has given me, so I'm gonna enjoy yeah. it. If we lose
1: this, then Christianity's right. done. It's right. like, no, probably quite the opposite, right. actually.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I think that's a great perspective to have. Mm. And so, our first encouragement would be hey, when you find yourself maybe getting a little, exp- you know, anxious or frustrated. Uh, maybe you've experienced some persecution. Maybe you've just read something on, you know, Facebook, and you know you're wanting to send out some sort of, uh, you know, re- response. Take a step back and say, okay, is this is this actually an opportunity? Can I actually advance the kingdom in a unique way because of this? I think somebody who
1: already has lived this out and has talked about it here on. Uh, the podcast before was actually Bug Brown. If you uh, listen to that one uh, if you haven't she's an FCA uh, coordinator and everything. but it even with like things where it's not necessarily somebody against Christianity in particular, but if you're feeling like you're being attacked, uh, it is a great opportunity to show the love of God to people. Uh, like she, she is an African American individual and the moment that everything started to escalate last year, she immediately thought, how, how can Mm -hmm. I show love to people who might not love me? Mm -hmm. Uh, and so she started the unity in the community, uh, events. She invited, uh, like a bunch of police officers to come be prayed over by Mm -hmm. her. Uh, she, she showed her community that, you know, uh any part, like she invited tons and tons of different students of all different races to share and just to be like hey this is this is what the community of god looks like mm. and i can just i i just know that there had to have been uh some people who came a little cautiously True. having negative thoughts about everything that's gone on and maybe even her race and thought no, no. This she she clearly has God inside of her. Like there's no way for me to even make that argument anymore. Like I hope that that's the case. Anyway, like she she saw that as an opportunity to show people God's love, and that, I just love
0: that. That's a great example. That's a great example. All right, so. Look for opportunities even in the midst of problems. And then the second choice that we would encourage you to make when you find yourself uh, under persecution would be continue to live out joy and hope. Um, mm. That's something that every follower of Christ has, and it's something that we need to demonstrate even when we're feeling frustrated, even when we feel attacked. Uh, Josh, before you give this uh, Bible verse for us, yeah, when you hear the term fight or flight, like what What comes to your mind?
1: Um, it's whenever you get attacked by something or something goes wrong. Uh, what is your response? Is it to, to put up the, the fist and defend yourself, or is it to get as far away from that situation as possible?
0: And I think we see this played out with Christians when it comes to persecution, too. Mm. The, the fight instinct is, you no... Know, I I want to demand what I think is Mm. just and right and I'm going to dig my heels into the ground and I'm going to, you know, have a slugfest if it it is required of me. Or we like to run. And different than your example of the Acts 2 church, oftentimes we run to the safety of our Christian bubbles Mm. and we distance ourselves from anyone who would think differently than us, anyone who would not affirm us. And so we're not letting our... The light of Christ shine very bright when we're mm. cloistered away in our safe little communities, mm. and so I don't think either response is very good. And in fact, uh, throughout Scripture, we get this impression, we get this idea that this planet, this Earth, is actually not our home. And when we understand that, well, then we can we can respond a little differently. Um, go ahead and read Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews thirteen fourteen says, "For here we do not have."
1: an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. In your own words, what is the writer of Hebrews saying here? He's saying that if you're trying to establish something here, like a Christian, like nation or, or city or whatever it is, it's not going to endure. Like there's, there's something actively going against us there. Our, our home mm-hmm. that we are supposed to look onto is is not on this world. There's like you said, it's it's of God. He's a, He's already created it, and it's going to be there for us.
0: Yeah, and when we understand that, I, I mean, if this wasn't true, like if Scripture said, hey, this is the only place that you mm. have, then it would make sense that we should stand and fight for every scrap of soil that we have. Mm. But since we know, hey, this isn't actually our eternal home, how should we respond then? Well, I think we should consistently respond and the joy that we have in Christ. And where is that joy coming from? Well, it's coming in that hope that, hey, we know, we know that we're going to be with our Heavenly Father in heaven. That's our eternal home. Hmm. And that's where the joy comes from. Um, you've got an example, even just in Scripture, how the apostles lived this out really well.
1: Yeah, so one of my favorites, like, I mean, my favorite book of the Bible is Acts now. I just I just love the stories that come out of it and this, the example that a lot of them lead. Um, But this was right before Stephen was actually killed. So, like, none of them had been murdered yet. Only Jesus, really. Mm -hmm. Jesus had died. He came back. And, like, there's no reason for them to believe just yet that all of that's going to happen to them. And obviously, God said, Jesus said, "You're all going to suffer for my name." And like he, but so many times they hear stuff like that and they forget it. So, but they they start to experience that suffering. It says that they were all put before the Sanhedrin. This is after the explosion of the Acts two church, uh, and and it reads like this. It says the apostles left the Sanhedrin, and obviously, what you need to know there is that they were beaten, they were they were abused verbally, they were persecuted hardcore. None of them were killed yet, um, but it says that they left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. And it was just this, this catalyst for them that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing right. because Jesus said we were going to have this happen. It's happening, and that means that we're
0: doing what we need to be doing, you know, if that makes sense. Their purpose was actually being fulfilled. Mm. And when you find, you know, that your purpose is being fulfilled, that actually brings great joy (laughs) in your life. We talk about (laughs) that here. You know, life is better with God, community, and purpose. Purpose. I, I think my wife is a really good example to me of someone who just consistently brings joy in the midst of difficult situations. Over the years, she's had a great opportunity to connect with people who are not just, you know, not Christians, but even hostile towards uh, Christianity, even within her extended family. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she just makes the choice every single time, no matter what's said, no matter how, you know, they view her or her faith to continue just to love and bring joy into their life. And so many of those people who were kind of hesitant to even become her friends uh, years down the road, consider her one of their best friends Mm -hmm. and go to her for, counsel and have even asked for prayer even though you know they're not really interested in God don't even know if he exists but hey they see Christ at work in her life and they say well maybe maybe there's something to this can you be praying for me and then she consistently points back to the reason I'm like this is because of what Jesus has done in my life and it's just just really beautiful testimony and, and so I think even for us None of us want to see our freedoms taken away. None of us want to see any sort of persecution, whether it's just stereotypes or it's you know imprisonment. But in the midst of that broader perspective that our home is not here, all those things actually can become quite trivial and mm-hmm. in light of our future hope. Mm. And I think we need to respond in that way. Uh, it makes me think of... Uh, being a missionary, actually, in Africa, uh, we would have the opportunity the privilege to host certain short-term mission trips. Um, and so these people from the United States, they come and we put together little serving projects for them. And it's funny, you've been on several mission trips, so I think you can probably relate to this. Okay. With any group that came, you could almost split the group into two. Uh, there would be what I would refer to as the whiners and the, the complainers. Uh, and that was, make, it was like maybe one-fourth of the group. The mm-hmm. majority of the group, they were not this way. But there were the people that came and they had a very clear agenda that this was going to happen, this wasn't going to happen, this was going to be the impact that they made, this is how they were going to make mm-hmm. the impact. And then when those things didn't happen exactly the way they wanted and anticipated them happening, well, they were just going to whine, fuss, cry, and complain. Mm-hmm. Really exhausting, really hard to be around those folks. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of the group there were the ones that said, hey, you know what? No matter what comes our way, we're going to take every advantage Of what god has prepared for us Uh, i think of one group that they had a series of just really difficult things that happened i first started with this car it was a rental car Uh, i had a fender bender and they were in the middle of of trying to get to a, a certain location at a certain time and there's this big gash now in their rental car so hundreds of dollars in damage they're late for this event no kidding the very next day uh they're driving they hit this pothole blown tire the alloy rim was cracked again hundreds of dollars in damage uh, late for the, their next event and it was just like like every yeah. day there was something uh, else and Again, the vast majority of the group, they laughed about these things. Mm -hmm. They joked about it, and they continued just to show each other love and those around them, including me, joy, which brought up my spirits. And then what I kept hearing over and over again was, hey, Jonathan, it's no big deal. It's not a problem at all. You know what we're going to do? We're just going to take every opportunity. We realize, Jonathan, that we only have a short amount of time here. And Mm -hmm. so we're going to seize every opportunity that we have to point to Christ. And I want to just say that again. I want you to just think about your own life. We only have a short amount of time, so how can we use every opportunity for the advancement of the gospel? Hmm. And I think this is where we should be when it comes to responding to any sort of persecution that comes our way. Any final thoughts?
1: No, that man. That, there's just a lot um, of of stuff you can point to to always be angry about anything. And this is this goes for every single person. And, and, and it's not just Christians. We have an active enemy uh, who will absolutely try to get you to hear negative comments about you or your faith or anything like that. And it's going to try to get you to do those five things to every other person, to vilify non-Christians and, and, and anything like that. But when you take that, seize that as an opportunity uh, to not only be joyful because God has promised those who suffer for his name so much goodness, um, but also see that as an opportunity to love on that person despite what they put you through, that person's going to see that and want that because their whole life, they've responded the exact same way the world has, especially in America, which is... When you get vilified, you vilify. Mm. And when you don't respond that way, that's something that stands out and is yeah. unique. And and I can't, like, if there's a way to be a missionary in America, it's it's just simply living that out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but, yeah. If problems come, look for those opportunities. When you find yourself maybe lacking some joy and expressing that joy, remember your future hope and mm. live that joy out. Yeah. Until next time, God bless.